1: Greetings, human! Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 41. Now for my morning-becomes-eclectic moment. The song you're currently listening to is Return of the Racist Robot. It is by the band Kissing Cousins. Alright, some other quick business. I'll be performing stand-up comedy jokes in the lovely city of Brea, California at the Brea Improv, October 21st through the 24th. Then, Wednesday, October 27th, in Los Angeles, Wootstock at Largo. I will be the Will Wheaton of Wootstock. Also on that show, Garfunkel and Oates, Mike Furman, Paul and Storm, and a special appearance by Dr. Demento. Tickets available at Wootstock.net. Now back to me. I'll be heading down to Austin, Texas, November 5th, to do Fun 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 Fest. I believe uh, Mr. Al Yankovic will be there as well. Then after that, I'll be at Laughing Skull in Atlanta, Georgia, November 11th through the 14th. Then the week after that, the Addison Improv in Addison, Texas, near Dallas. I'm told it's home of the $30,000 millionaire, where people don't have incredibly high incomes, but they live in nice houses and drive snazzy cars. That'll be November 18th through the 20th. Also, uh, if you would like to join the Nerdist social network, still in beta, the Node, shoot us an email over at node at nerdist.com. An exclusive offer for Nerdist podcast listeners just like you with computers and the desire to hook up with other creative nerds. All right, that's it. I'll shut up about all this stuff now. Here's the Nerdist podcast number 41 with our guest, Mr. Greg Fitzsimmons. Enjoy. Now entering. Nerdist.com. I like that it says data right error, but it does record. So,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so pretty much this is horrible in every other way. <laughs> no, the Zoom H4n, it's a great.
0: Uh... I got the Task Cam, but I use uh... Task Cam.
2: Tascam!
1: That, uh, that always just reminds me of Guitar Center. Like,
2: Tascam! That's yeah, where yeah.
0: I got
3: it. A you know, bi-weekly <laughs> sale. I are that. having a sale coming up. Come, Come up up, this
2: ball. You
1: know. When are they going to have another sale? At Guitar Center!
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, if any store in America could develop the customer service that Guitar Center has, <laughs> they are phenomenal.
1: You know, I have to tell you, the first time I really started to bask in the power of Twitter was... Uh, I I took a guitar to get uh, restrung at at, uh, at a guitar center and then they lost it. No! And like it wasn't ready and like I couldn't get a hold of wow. anyone so I just kind of angrily complained on Twitter like a bitch. I'm like, "Man, Guitar Center, don't ever t- take your guitar there if you want them to lose it." Yeah. Uh 25 minutes later I get an email like, "Oh, hi, I'm the director of marketing for Guitar Center nope. and I noticed that hey. And they literally, I got it that afternoon and they didn't charge me for it. And I was like, oh my God, oh, this I is a, it. was that the oh, be?" but then you, but then you don't want to be the guy that complains no. all the time. Yeah. I a, played
0: that. Well, I got the Howard Stern card to play and that's some powerful shit. I had a playboy owed me some money because they wanted me to shoot some videos when I hosted the porn awards mm-hmm. and they weren't paying me because I didn't like fill out some paperwork right.
1: You know,
3: and it just went on sticklers. for months. playboy known, sticklers for paperwork. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> And, and their turnoffs are mean people, so uh, yeah, yeah
0: <laughs>
2: dirty it. So
0: anyway, long story short, I finally just sent a note, uh, an email, saying I'm going on the Howard Stern show tomorrow morning. It's gonna thank you so much because it's gonna make such a great story. <laughs> uh, and like right back, it was unnecessary for you to do that. The check will be in the mail tomorrow, and I and I replied, thank you. Make sure it's certified. <laughs> of
1: course, it's not unnecessary for them to not pay you for yeah, months I and months. I know. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, but you, just, you you have to be. Really Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, I didn't know this was the podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah this is it. This it is it, Chris.
0: me. There's no,
1: it's not <laughs> oh, that God. official. It's very loosey.
0: That's like when you're making out with a girl and you start dry humping. She doesn't know you're going for it. No.
1: <laughs> and
3: you're already done by the time she realizes it. That's no. right.
1: You've been dry humping me, Chris. I prefer wet humping, but I, but, it, but but occasional dry hump now and then is still... I like uh, dry fucking. You like dry fucking. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a lot, it's dirtier. Jesus. What, yeah. do, you, do you actually grip your penis through your pants and just try to mash it
3: into her pants? I wear multiple pairs of pants at once. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's more uncomfortable
1: for everybody. So then you take off one pair of pants to free but imprison your penis in the second pair of pants. Exactly.
3: It's like you think you broke out of prison, but there's another fence. Oh.
0: oh so your pants are like a prison to you. <laughs> yes. Do you wear striped pants
3: a lot? Stripe pants? No, I, I do everything I can to not seem as tall as I am. Mm. Yeah, stripe pants would just elongate. What if this
2: everything. was the weirdest viral marketing campaign for Fox's Prison Break? <laughs> <laughs> weird. It's weird they wait until after the show's canceled to yeah. come up to us with this
0: idea. I was prison thinking video. about how like MSNBC has—is it see, MSNBC has all the prison shows? Yes. And how fascinated we are with rehab and prisons. And then those those murder shows where it goes on for an hour and, yeah. you, and you get into the mind of the murder, and I and I thought why why do you think that is?
1: Well, you know, it's I think there's a broader thing that's going on in television that's really interesting, which is that pretty much every pot every show right now has a despicable protagonist. Yeah, and so and I that's think that's true. Dexter, it's Dexter, magic. Mad Men, yeah. Modern Family, they're kind of dicks. Uh, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Modern Family, or dicks? Weeds. Well, I mean, I just think they're sort of like, they're not dicks, but they're just they're just sort of like uh, ornery. Is that, a, is, Parents. That, is, that, is that a good word, I think ornery? That's
0: a, I think that's a bad example, Chris. No, I think I'm it's I'm going to call you word. on Modern Family. you got two likable gay guys, which you've never had on TV before.
1: I'm thinking more about the Ed O'Neill character. Uh, All right,
0: then just say Ed O'Neill. Cause, but, but don't throw the cast in there.
1: What? He's curmudgeonly.
0: He's curmudgeonly. He is curmudgeonly. He is curmudgeonly. But with a soft spot. Oh, think, I think
2: it kind of started though with Seinfeld and how kind yeah. of awful they were. Yeah, that's
1: why, like you know, you think. I about,
3: think it might uh,
2: have started with Norman Lear and uh, Archie Bunker. Bunker.
3: Think I think like it, the, it's like a, a Always Sunny Philadelphia. It's kind of like the apex of just like everybody's horrible, and it's like they, there's no reper- repercussions.
0: I think it might have started with Macbeth. I
2: think it could have
1: started. <laughs> it could have started with Aristophanes. I think it started with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Oh, oh, oh shit. Damn. I'm not going to,
0: I mean, we could go cro Magna, but that's bullshit. You know, a cave wall drawing is really going too yeah. far.
1: <laughs> Just a cranky buffalo as the lead character and <laughs> some sort
2: of a, that, that buffalo's a dick, however they would have said that. But he's know, got a soft spot. In the soft spot, in the, uh, do you think they knew their drawings were shitty on the walls or were they like, that's really good, really yeah, Back buffalo. then,
3: though, I mean, who else was doing it?
1: It wasn't exactly a smooth surface. That's a good point. It was kind of a punk movement probably in in like (laughs) Neolithic times to start drawing on... I hope it was Neolithic and not like Mesolithic because I'll get called on it. Meso is middle, right? Middle, yes, the middle stone. uh, Guys, we all know it was roughly 6,000 years ago. Go ahead. All right. Uh, So, yeah, I'm sure for them it was very punk to express ideas like uh, by drawing on a wall. I never thought of a
0: buffalo that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know he was a crip.
1: Shit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the other guy's like, what's a buffalo?
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What are these words we're using right now? I'm gonna kill you and rape your woman. Alright, everyone, let's go home. (laughs) These are the days. (laughs) Wait, which are the women? Merchant, yeah. They're much softer. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) Bitch, you got to shave your pussy with a sharp rock. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How would you know where the hair was when it's all over the body?
0: (laughs) It'd be funny if they only shaved their vagina, but they still had full back hair (laughs) like
3: everything
2: else. Yeah. Uh,
1: they got a landing strip on their back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like a full body version of the Lincoln beard, where it's just like that everything's just like a scoop neck, but then that one part and yeah. it should be so you
0: can find uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the
1: it's like the a hole on a, in a golf green. Yeah,
0: <laughs> 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 just make it a little lighter. <laughs> got to sink that putt. <laughs>
1: That's what it is And they, they put a little cup in there And then a flag They put a flag in yeah. there And that's how you knew in And, and how do you blame Tiger? <laughs> you know, I mean This is what he's looking at all I
0: mean, that. this And this goes back Thousands of years yes. So it's really it's been not, building
1: Yeah, that's that's all That's all it is Now,
0: back then They didn't have Waffle House waitresses But, you know <laughs>
3: This was Mesolithic's. Yeah What if they, they did? There were no Waffle Houses Bison House no. you Bison, could, bison, house, yeah, yeah, bison yeah. house
1: You're going for <laughs> Shitty, dirty uh, Bison Waffles <laughs> Um, They're
3: so bad for you, but they're so good! So good!
1: Uh, I feel like Bison Waffles should be the name of something, so if anyone out there. Bison Waffles
3: sounds like a name of like, an asshole. (laughs) 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 I'll introduce to you Bison Waffles.
1: Like an ass, like if you're eating someone's asshole, no, like you're like, dude, I had bison like just waffles. Some dude. Just oh, some oh, dude. oh, 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 yeah. I thought you meant literally that it was like a, a euphemism for someone's asshole where you're like, Yeah, I ate bison waffles last night. Like <laughs> Actually, that's, that's better. Okay. Well, it fits in with the whole theme of like buffalo wings. I guess it does. You
0: know, you could have a whole cro Maggie menu at a comedy club.
1: That would be <laughs> that guys, caves. Come on. We're gonna <laughs> open caves. It's
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> cave themed. There's a there's a place in the city of industry called Jurassic Restaurant. Well, there's a place called the City of Industry. Like That's the oh, funny that's part of true. that. <laughs> but they have like uh, Asian waitresses dressed up like cave girls, and they serve you.
3: How big are the uh, the ribs Do they when they take it out to your car? They probably have regular human-sized ribs.
0: They probably have like, teriyaki dill ribs. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, is this a Flintstones
1: episode? <laughs> this could be, This might be a Flintstones episode. I want to ask you, because you've been... When did you start doing stand-up?
0: I started in, Well, in my senior year of college, basically, so 1989...
1: And did you grow up? In, you grew up in Boston, New York. You grew up in New York,
0: but I started doing stand up when I was in college
1: in Boston. So what? Because I don't know—is the Boston? Because there was a period of time. Which, I mean, we talked to Bill Burr about this too, but Boston was the comedy scene for a long time, and I and I don't. I don't know if I've heard a lot lately about the Boston comedy scene. Is it still? Is it still well, a, a force?
0: On January twelfth, it's going to be a force when I'm at the Wilbur Theater. Nice. Uh, it's it's That's you know nice. what happened was what's kind of happened to the most industries, which is there were. I'm not exaggerating, because it was, it was a closed community. Very, very few comics came from outside. Mm-hmm. They, Boston had its own headliners, its own features, its own open mic nights. And there were like six or seven full-time, seven-night-a-week clubs. Holy shit. I just, it's a big city. but it's not a huge city. And so, growing up there, or, or coming up there, it was crazy. I mean, I started out with like Joe Rogan and... Uh, Bill Byrd, Dave Cross, uh, Mark Marin, um, Sarah Silverman, and we were all just, you know, signing up, waiting for a spot. And But within six months, if you had a car, you were working. You, because the headliners all had DUIs, so they couldn't drive to the gigs. So it wasn't if you had a strong 10 minutes, it was do you have a full tank of gas? Right. So you would drive and you'd pick up uh, X headliner. And you drive them up to Worcester or down to Providence and you do your time and then you you just moved up really fast because you've got so much good stage time Mm -hmm. and yet, uh, I've talked to Bill about this, you have to have your own persona because it's not tolerated to be like somebody else. And it's really not tolerated to have a joke like anyone. else.
1: And, that, and that's what's so interesting is to see like what a what a what a crusade Joe Rogan has taken upon joke thievery. Like it's interesting. Absolutely. To, it's interesting to see the roots of that. In, that's where it is in the Boston comedy scene. Uh, yes,
0: yes. It was. I can remember a guy getting punched in the face for taking a joke, and there was one or two guys that had a bad reputation, and it was like looking back. They didn't really steal. I mean, when I see the thievery that goes on today, these guys were like, had a nuanced version of something a guy once did. And I mean, they were fucking marked for life. Wow. So it made you really have to be original. And uh, at the same time, the crowds were so, I mean, fucking shut up, faggot. Next. (laughs) I, I mean, you had to, it was saloon comedy. You had to grow balls, thick skin, and uh, you know, and it was all about follow that f- motherfucker. Right. Like every comic was trying to bury the guy after him. That's how you moved up. So it was good. It was basic training. And now there's one club, if that. I don't even know if that one club's open, Faneuil Hall Comedy no, Connection. No, it's gone.
2: I was just there, and it's now, it's just Matthew's they, from Boston. Bought, oh, are you they, really? Yeah, they bought the Wilbur Theater. Yeah,
0: and it was basically, you know, they drove all the other clubs out of business by buying up all the ad space in the newspapers, bringing in headliners from out of town, and they basically redefined what comedy was in Boston. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you saw And it. now it's
2: just the Wilbur Theater, and you go out to Kowloon to the Comedy Connection on Route 1.
0: Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, and which it is, that? that it, that's where all the big hair nightclubs used to be, and the crowds, it was like Jersey Shore, times yeah. 300 people. Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you probably moved, you probably hopped pretty quickly from Boston to New York, I assume.
0: Yeah, I was going back and forth for a while, you know, and I'd stay in my, I'd stay in my dad's apartment in the city, and I would uh, drive, I would do shows, you know, Saturday night would be usually my last show, I'd be in like Worcester, mm-hmm. and then I'd drive to New York, and then. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'd, you know, just hang around the clubs trying to get spots in New York, go back to Boston and make a few bucks. Did that for like two years. And then uh, and then I was kind of in, and luckily some of the f- comics that did come up from New York, like Eddie Brill and Colin Quinn, were really good about helping me get
1: in at some of the clubs oh, in New cool. York. Yeah. So did you have a... By the way, Greg, my, one of the things that's really funny to me about you is that you're a comic, but I also know you're a comic who... Is not afraid to punch people in the face. No, no. Why? What are you saying? <laughs> I think it's great. It's like you, because you and I are about the same size. Yeah, but but whereas I would weigh like if, if I was you know in a situation where I'm like oh I can't hit someone in the face. Ah. Like, I... Like I, like Greg would be the kind of guy that would, that you you'd just be like, ah, fuck this, bam. Yeah. Like, if someone was really asking for it.
0: Yeah, I just feel like as an Irish person, I'm so I'm so suppress. I mean, there's an unhealthy way to punch somebody in the face, and there's a healthy way, and I like to think I'm the latter, which is you <laughs> have to honor your emotions, right? right. And if you don't, they're going to spill over to other parts of your life. Now, I'm not saying punching people in the face, but like. By not getting angry when you're really angry, like, I think it's really healthy to yell at people when you're really mad. Mm-hmm. And, and in Hollywood, in New York, that's totally normal and accepted. Like, Europe even more so. L.A., you are never, ever allowed to show that you're mad at somebody. You just tell them to your to their face that you're fine. And then they never. Nobody ever knows what it's they a passive
1: aggressive culture. It's a very passive aggressive yes. culture. Yes.
0: So I yell at people, and I mean I've worked on TV shows where I, I yell, and I just assume that it's in the moment, and we move on. And then people hold on to it, and I realize, wow, I can't, I can't get out of this now. <laughs> so uh, I punch them in the face,
1: and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being true to myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now uh, I'm working on that. I'm actually going to... I've been going to a lot of therapy because I had some road rage problems happen and, and then I attacked a parent at a camping trip with some kids.
1: Can you tell us about that? Or well, the, the guy threatened...
0: my My son supposedly stole a hiking stick from the guy's daughter on a camping trip. Okay. And so the guy didn't know who did it. There were three boys and the guy with none of the parents around, big dude corners the three boys and threatens them and says I know where you live blah blah all three boys are crying I see my son he's like trembling and he's my son's a pretty tough kid he's been in taekwondo for like 6 7 years right. he's close to being a black belt plays club soccer you know he's he's not afraid he's trembling and I'm like I I mean if there's it's like back to nature you fuck with my kid yeah. I will kill yeah. and so I walk up to this guy and he's at his tent and I just walk right up to him and I just slam him in the chest and he steps backwards a couple steps and I just got nose to nose and I go you got five minutes to find my kid apologize then pack your shit and get the fuck out of here (laughs) and he did it
2: really? he did it that's fantastic but then
0: I but then I stopped him and I said you don't have to go I, I lost my temper and blah blah and then uh I, I didn't apologize, but I made it right the next morning. And we all went on a hike.
1: And then you made love in a cave where there were some drawings of, uh, of bison. Uh... You were in the woods? I was watching. <laughs> I was there. Hey, that guy is here right now. Let's bring him on out. Oh, my God. Hey, you look... Greg, thanks for setting me straight.
0: Wait, You just made me get really horned up about that Chilean uh, mine. <laughs> is that what? I mean, what's... Jesus, that's what's going on. And then no wonder they wouldn't come out. yeah that's why apparently there's uh,
3: uh, the wives and the mistresses are uh, fighting because they're all there waiting for oh I heard
0: about that that. that's the story they're not giving enough attention to and the story they're giving way too much attention to is second guy came up with rocks got it he brought rocks up and gave them as gifts some
1: Stop. of them were probably in his lungs because he was living underground for two months but you
0: know they're killing so much time waiting for the next guy to come up but they can't cut away from this
1: scene yeah. and so they just
0: for some reason they keep telling the rock story again and again and
1: again I think there's a reality story somewhere in the Miners Wives and Mistresses I think there's that's yeah. the angle we're in the E building right now we can go pitch it 30 <laughs> feet from here we right can go now. pitch it right now
0: I that the show is to me Is the pitches that must happen in the E building?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I could. Yeah, I've I've heard some, and because I'm still employed here, I probably can't say what they are. But I can. uh, (laughs) I mean, I've done.
0: Well, I had. I actually wanted. I did a show. Did I ever shoot it? I think I sold it, but we didn't shoot it. And it was. It was about a a couple that casts these uh, shows, these reality shows, and it's just people coming in, and it's really just about a room like this, a conference room, and watching people get interviewed mm-hmm. uh, because they're ca- they the, the show is bought and they're trying to cast the people okay. in the houses or whatever and it's just it was just about that and I, I can't remember why it didn't go but that to me that's what's interesting about these shows is like they're so I, i'm sorry america i'm gonna pull the sheet back over this what the curtain back the sheet pull the sheet
1: back yeah, that's sheet uh back. that's a new reality show it's <laughs> <That's laughs> pull pull the sheet back <laughs> When clansmen get together and share their
3: feelings, <laughs> <laughs> come on, brother, just pull the sheet back. We're all the
0: same here. I right. Right. I hope. <laughs> when hate turns to love, and uh, it, it's be, it's amazing because I've worked on some reality shows. It's amazing how completely choreographed it is. I mean, they when you I've produced them, and, and you have to come up with a beat sheet for what's going to happen oh, yeah. in each act between each character. Of course, yeah,
1: and that's you know it's what I it's, it. Because, you know, years ago, when I worked at MTV, my girlfriend was in the real world. And so, it was... When when those first couple... Your first season? No, she was on the London cast. Fourth season. So, um, what would happen is, every new cast in the beginning, where reality television was still very new, they would always watch the first episode, and all the kids would be like, what the fuck is this? Because they would take... A snippet of dialogue from one thing that happened, marry it to something that happened six months later, and then, then apply it... a long awkward pause. Right, and then apply it to something that none of the first two <laughs> quotes, you know. Yeah. And then the producers are like, "Hey, we never said it was real. It's a reality-based yeah. soap opera. Uh, so they have to they have to build characters, yeah. and they have to categorize people. And you know, if someone's recording everything you do all the time, it, they can paint you in any light it's they want. A collage. They want.
0: Yeah, it's a collage. And and I love that, too, is, like, when somebody says something like, well, you're not welcome in the house anymore, and then they grab a piece of downtime where they were all just hanging out, looking around, and they put, in, like, the cricket noise under it.
1: <laughs> I always feel like the cricket should have gotten its own credit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. Can you imagine the after residuals?
1: Oh, forget it. There would
0: be locust swarms all over the country partying.
1: It is amazing to me <laughs> that they didn't... Uh... That I, I wonder if the miners were able. I guess they weren't able to really take any footage. Uh.
0: Oh yeah, they did. No, they did. They sent down a camera. Oh, they yeah. did send down oh, a camera. Yeah. everyone? Now there was one guy who uh, had never worked a camera, but he learned it and he became the camera guy. And uh, he actually got a shot of the guy bringing the rocks up. Oh my god! Yes, really, oh, oh, god. God. the guy brought rocks. He oh, brought
1: rocks up. God. This is the true story. <laughs> the true story of twelve miners yeah. picked yeah. to live in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> See <laughs> what happens when. Why do they have Mexican accents? Because uh, that's the only one I can do. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, in my in my uh, ethnocentric uh, brain, that is the only. Uh, <laughs> I got an, I got an arguments on my website because did you see the Simpsons opening from the other night? No, I heard it was a big deal. It was it was pretty incredible. This mm-hmm. this British uh, graffiti artist named Banksy yeah. wrote it didn't made it and uh, and it basically is just like it just goes to a sweatshop and they're making cells and they're like shredding kittens to stuff Bart dolls oh. and they're. Punching holes in a DVD with a unicorn horn. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the licking the uh, the licking with, with the, the dolphin the, head. Yeah, the dolphin ah. head. <laughs> and so uh, and so I made you know I made some point about like oh you know it's funny they're making fun of the Korean sweatshop and all these people are like clearly because there's a panda in it and because of the style of collar on their shirts it's Chinese Jeez. and I'm like no 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 that's a fucking like everyone knows that right that animation happens in Korea that's where yeah, U S yeah. outsources it. You know, that's that's just a stupid, ethnocentric, like, oh, they're Asian, so let's yeah. put a panda in there. Like, yeah, they, they yeah. Don't look at the details to geo Like, it, that's just a mistake yeah. on the yeah. part of the writers.
0: Yeah. It's like
3: if you – and also, dolphin head, that's Japanese. The Japanese are the, the ones that kill the dolphins all the time.
1: Wait, wait, what?
0: Why, why is it that Japanese men need so much help getting erections from endangered animals? Like – I think
1: about I mean it's Wait, you just painted a picture of just like a like an eagle just gingerly coaxing a Japanese cock out with its little forefeather. Just like
0: <laughs>
1: like and he's trying to just like what do you mean? And the Japanese
0: is well, it's always like, you know, the tusk of an elephant in a soup or shark fin oh, soup. Oh,
1: oh right, right. There's right, all right. these
0: aphrodisiacs and it's and and I always think to myself, is there a hotter species of woman than the Japanese woman? Isn't that enough for you
1: guys? Well, I don't know if they're a species, but. Uh, Is but, it not a species? No, they'd be. We're, we're, they would just be a, a race.
0: Are they made in a Korean sweatshop? Yes,
1: they are, but unfortunately there are pandas there, so it confuses people into thinking that they're made in China. Do you think that the Japanese men are fucking pandas? I, I, feel like, I feel like there must be probably like an avatar where, you know, he tamed that big bird. There must be some sort of an
2: honor in being able to the stick Japanese, it to a panda. The Japanese are perverted enough that they have to not allow cell phone cameras to not make a noise when you take a picture.
1: Yeah, that's like, right. right? Yeah, yeah. I, had a, I did have a Japanese iPhone for a while because I couldn't shut the click feature off. And I went online, and I was like, why does my phone... It won't silence... This- why? So they
2: can get, like, upskirt shots? Like, yeah, so they can't, like... Because it'll make a noise. Makes, it always makes a noise.
1: Wow! It's like, you know, their <laughs> ancestors were
3: dosed in tons of radiation, so this <laughs> current, you know...
0: By... Us! Yes. Yes. Why well, don't... But the thing that the thing that's interesting... I love that we're shitting on them, and on we're phone. the ones that caused it. Yeah. Why are they like crazy <laughs> colors all the time? It's because something went wrong. <laughs> why do people cry when we bomb them? <laughs> like... Why are they bad at sports? We radiated their equipment.
1: <laughs> we're terrible. Um, America, you guys. Wait, going back really to, different.
0: I wanted to tell a quick story about Chile, by the way, because I was there last year. Okay. I hope it
1: involves rocks.
0: Um, it rocked. <laughs> we were shooting a pilot for uh, an unnamed network, and they were trying to save money by moving it down to Chile, because mm-hmm. they had studios down there and uh i and they flew down it was a it was a game show and they flew down a black family from south central and i mean black like you know the real deal you know have never been outside of los angeles like cool funny tight and uh just loud Mm -hmm. you know and we go to chile and they've never seen a black person in their lives And so we go down there, and we're a circus walking through. And the expense of flying down eight family members, an entire crew, not an entire crew, half a crew. And then they use the Chilean crew down there in the studio. So the first day, they had to fire the um, the steady cam guy who's the one with the headphones on who's supposed to be mm-hmm. catching shots the director's telling him to catch he's missing everything turns out doesn't speak english oh. he's fired oh. next day i'm staring at a teleprompter it's always ahead of me or behind me yep. and and it turns out um, the guy who was fired the day before He's running the teleprompter now. <laughs>
1: the guy that doesn't speak English is running the teleprompter He's now.
0: same guy. He, j- he changed hats. He had a Yankees hat the first day, and the next day he had another Raiders hat. <laughs> and uh, and it, we, got, we got nothing. They made There was a, a soundproof booth that the family had to go into, mm-hmm. for, so they wouldn't hear the answers. It was not only soundproof, it was airtight. And it was a million degrees. So during oh. commercial breaks, they'd rip the door open. They'd come out sweating. We'd have to towel them down. It was fucking. The poor
1: family was like, "This is why we don't leave South Central." <laughs> you stick us in a <laughs> Chilean <sweat> box. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, so I feel for the miners. I, I know the I know the family. The black family
1: knows exactly how those miners felt. <laughs> well, at least someone here does. It's so funny that uh, it's a, it's it's fascinating to me that I just I I want to know like what. Like, what, what were those caves like? Are there are there images of the caves where they were living? How did they... How do you live for two months?
0: Well, there was a, f- a fresh spring water. Uh, uh, there was water, I guess. I don't know if it was running through. It must be running through. It couldn't be still water. But, yeah, they had a water source. There was uh, a four-inch tube going down, so they were fed. Mm-hmm. That's how they got the camera down there. And... Uh, apparently they, they, NASA got involved. So there was all that space food going down there. But they were like, they came up clean shaven. They, one guy looked like he'd been down there for half an hour.
2: <laughs> that's the Chileans.
1: They're they're a slick, sexy bunch. They're chill. They look good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's how. They, that's why they named that country that.
1: It's funny when I when I when I ran into you when you came to the building, and you said uh, you said to me that when you see me walking toward you. It, you feel like you're looking in a mirror because our but we have the exact same body type, yes. like exactly the same yeah. body type. No, no real
0: uh, muscular development, but yet fit. <laughs> That's right. And like a hundred, I'm 150. You're like 145, something like that. Yeah. And we're about. You're a little taller than me, but we have that look like. Yeah, we've never done a real sport, but we have exercised. Maybe we, we could, could play, play racquetball. Exactly. Yeah, we we don't swim, but we have dove in the water and then come back to the side.
1: Yeah, look out, badminton. We could we could, we could tear up some shuttlecocks, but I I think it's because. You remember me when I was uh, when I was on the the plumper side uh, back in the in the old in the old days. Mm-hmm. You don't drink any. You don't drink either, do you? Twenty years. Holy shit! I just had seven, but twenty is pretty insane.
0: Well, I think really once you get over the um, the hump of, I mean, seven's funny because with marriage it's the seven year itch, right? And it really is like the first five or so are like you change your life. I mean, you lose some friends. Yeah, you don't, change your lifestyle stuff. And I think when people can't stop, it's really because there's so much of their life they're afraid to let go of. Mm-hmm. And you've done that by five. And then when you hit seven, you realize, I'm bored. You know, <laughs> and you start to think, well, you forget how it was and you forget how good this clarity
1: is. That, I never know? forget. Like I, I, I feel like I was really lucky because I'm not an AA guy and I think a lot of people assumed... I wasn't gonna say anything about it, but on Twitter I made this. I made a point to say like, "Hey, I just had a seven-year anniversary, and I'm only saying this just so to let you guys know that if you're struggling with an addiction, you can overcome it." Because I was a insane fucking booze hound, Crate insane. You were a big beer guy, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was you know like just drinking beer every day, all the time, and uh, and so you know when I quit. Part of it was vanity like i i lost a lot of weight really fast and so like oh this isn't so bad like i was able to see the physical results yeah, yeah. and uh and, and you were probably exercising more right um no i've been exercising now for about five years uh-huh. but uh but also just not eating pizza at four o'clock in yes. the morning and not you know like and 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 sleeping kind of a little bit more regular hours and yeah that, you know like that that all helped but uh it's interesting, and I, I was never, you know, I went to AA a couple times, and I, I'm sorry to say this, I hate it. Like, I did not, and I thought I was broken, because I'm like, I'm supposed to love AA, and I would leave feeling worse than when I went there. Yeah. But then I talked to a couple other comics, and I was like, I think there's something wrong with me. And they were like, I didn't go to AA, you know? I yeah, just, but, I had a therapist I liked, so it's you know, like that's how I was working out my issues.
0: Yeah, I think that AA is uh, is something that really works. For I knew people that have, you know, my my uh, one of my relatives has been going for like forty years, and I mean, I mean, three four days a week, work at you know sponsor, working the steps, doing the work, and you know, I I kind of did that with Al Anon because mm-hmm. my father was an alcoholic, and I very much connected to Al Anon. I was in a room full of people that were talking about really much more of the um, you know dysfunctional impact on your life and, mm-hmm. how, and certain behaviors that you had were not your fault there and, and when you hear that we all had these same you know uh, low self-esteem things or inabilities <laughs> to relate to it was rarely really worked for me and then I went to an AA meeting And I felt like I was in French 3 and I'd never learned. I didn't connect to anything anybody was saying.
1: And and I'm not bashing AA at all because, like you said, it works for some people and it's awesome. And my feeling is, like, whatever works for you, you should do. Yeah. But for me, like, I would go and I'd be feeling pretty good about my, you know, like, oh, I feel pretty good that i am kind of changed my life in this way. And I would go in and just hear these awful stories and see people that were so shattered internally, and I just left. I would leave with the residue of that. Like I feel a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I mean it's really tough because if you if you didn't have a low bottom, and it's it's kind of hard to sit there and not feel like, am I even an alcoholic? (laughs) And I mean some of these people, they they want to. God, uh, Rick Shapiro, you know Rick Shapiro, brilliant comic, and he has this bit about AA about how he's like a. I, a guy talking to a sponsor, he's like, uh, I don't know, sometimes Donnie doesn't feel that good about Donnie. You know, last week, I, uh, you know, I, I, I got up, my nephew's making noise, I kicked him in the teeth, I knocked him down, his mother yelled at me, I skull-fucked her, I went outside, I had road rage. And the sponsor goes, did you drink? No.
3: Then you're a winner! <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is I'm impressed that you that, that 20 years ago you know in comedy that you that you were able at that time
0: well it was because of comedy I told you about the driving the other comics yeah and I knew well I also knew I was a lot of comics I think can relate to this is that I really was never good at anything I mean I was I played every sport never well I did not get good grades because I have like ADHD and I was a skinny, pale, redheaded, freckled kid who. Not
1: afraid to punch people, though. Not,
0: no, well, where do you think the anger came from? I, you know, I got in a lot of fights. I had a bad temper. and uh, And then comedy really, truly was the first thing I ever did that I went like, not only have I been dreaming of this, but I think I'm actually good at this. Mm-hmm. And when the first time I was on stage drunk was January 4th, 1990, I said, that's it. I was drunk, I felt confused, mm-hmm. and I felt ashamed, and I got off and I was in a black depression, and that's the last drink I ever had in my life.
1: That's really um, interesting you say that because I, I, one of the, like near the end for me, I was on stage at the improv and I was drunk, and my head was totally cloudy. And then uh, and, and Sh- Gary Shandling and Greg Kinnear were in the audience, and, uh, and I just, I had a rotten set, and I literally couldn't focus my brain. Yeah. And that was, that was when I started kind of going like, I, you know... Because some people think, like, i got to be fucked up to do my art. Oh, please. And I'm like, you know, that's... I don't... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know, haven't... I, I really
0: actually just the opposite. I've never seen that work. I mean, I've seen it work briefly. What about Stanhope, ne- though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen Stan, the guy. I, I saw
1: Stanhope on stage once, and he had... Because people just send him drinks, like that's sort yeah. Of, so he had a stool, a bar stool, and there was a shot of tequila, a flute of champagne, and then a beer, and they were oh. all resting, kind of precariously, pointing outward, like they were all about to fall off the, the stool at any minute because it was a cushiony stool. Yeah, and they didn't, and he uh, he just managed to like polish them off. Anyone you know. send a puke bucket up there? The, no, no, his tolerance is pretty high. Unbelievable. At this point, I
0: yeah, I think it's uh, well adding to my. Uh, uh, shame on my, my the last when I was on stage that time it was and you're going to think I'm making this up but this is true they used to raise money for a children's hospital in Boston by having this this benefit show once a year and it was called Tits for Tots <laughs> and all of the prostitutes and the strippers because Nick's Comedy Stop is in the Red Light District yeah. and it was a mob place And all this... I mean, there was a place called Dominic's across the street where all the hookers hung out between their gigs and the comics hung out between their gigs. Yeah,
1: freshening up, getting pizza. Well, we had a
0: lot in common. Yeah, of course, of course. And so we would go... uh, They would have this show at Nick's Comedy Club during the day and it was all union guys from Southie. You know, tough guys. And then uh, the women would walk around topless with hats and and then you would be on stage telling jokes. And that's when I bombed. So, I mean... That that
1: intensifies the shame of bombing. Oh no, you bombed during Tits for Tots. Tits for Tots oh. for the kids. I let the kids down. You let the kids down. <laughs> I mean these ladies are out here working, like giving it all they got. Yeah. You know, like taking out their tits for kids and then you were up on stage. And they're not drunk. They're no. sober, they're focused. Well, they might be drunk on the filth of where their lives have gone. Absolutely. And and meth. And a little bit of meth too but not I'm no drunk, drunk no, no alcohol drinking
0: mm-hmm. I mean this is a hospital Then they're winners Then you You know I'm, I'm sucking a dick and this guy's fingering my asshole and my pimp has got a gun pointed at my head Did you drink No Then you're a
1: winner I mean you know he was fingering my asshole to pack the coke up in there tighter <laughs> I just want to get in my bloodstream faster but I, I did
3: no, not take a drink I heard it I heard it Did you drink <laughs> No hey. and
1: Oh, that's really funny. Are you... Uh, so then... Because your dad was a radio guy. Yes. Um, and you have been... You've been... Uh, you fell in with the Stern Show. Uh, it's been a while now, right? About
0: 10 years. Well, you know when it started? You and I were at the Aspen Comedy Festival together in 19... No, 2001. 2001. Yes.
1: I gotta, and I have to say... So Greg won the stand-up award that year for the festival. And uh, who presented to him? It was uh, Catherine O'Hara. Oh, presented, yeah. presented him with the award... And she just had a little lav mic on her jacket, and it was clear that Greg wasn't supposed to talk. I was told not to talk, and so and still, anyway, he grabbed her collar and just (laughs) like, and he was like, "Yeah, just uh, really appreciate this award, and uh, just want to say the other comics, not that funny, (laughs) not
3: that funny." (laughs) Meanwhile,
0: Chris Chris was on my. We had like a there was a set of like four or five comics that you performed together the whole time. And it was uh, me, you, and Jim Norton, I think. Was it Norton? And it was so much fun. It was such a blast. And then, uh, yeah, and then they told me I couldn't make a speech. And so, uh, <laughs> and I remembered Keckner and uh, Naked Naked
1: Trucker Naked was there. Yeah, they won
0: the sketch thing, and they were, uh, they were they were horrified that I did it. They were not happy that I did it. <laughs> And that's how it started. Like I, I remember, it was at an awards ceremony when I was about nine, and I have a picture from it. I was wearing a plaid blazer, and I had I had won like seventh place in backstroke, but they still give you like a, an award because you're a kid. Right. And so you know, and they're giving out a hundred awards, and I get up and I grab, I got a picture of it. I grabbed the mic and I made, I thanked my parents and Ronald Reagan, and,
2: <laughs> and, and
0: I just kept going on. And that, so yeah, that's to me where where it all started was like. Classrooms, anytime, a pe- anytime there's an assembly of people, mm-hmm. I think it's just a Marx Brothers thing. It's just about how do I take this, you know, uh, you know, stuffy environment and do something silly.
1: And that's how you know you should be a comic. But people say because people always come up with shows and they're like, I don't know, should I do comedy? And it's like if you're supposed to do it, you will do it. Yeah. And you will continue to do it no matter what happens, no matter how many tits for tots episodes you go through. You yeah. still want to get up and do it.
0: Yeah, there's there's three things I'd like to see comics stop doing, which is, number one, asking people if they should do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number two, asking how they can get an agent so they can get some work. Same thing. If you're funny, they are waiting for you. There, right. is, there is a huge demand for truly funny people. Yeah.
3: And that's their job. They'll find you. Yes.
0: Yeah. And the third one is... Don't ask me to open for them. I don't, I don't bring openers on the road because right. I can barely keep my life together as it is. I don't need an extra 12 phone calls acting as your agent because i got to call the club. i got to call my agent. got And then you're not happy with the money and I'm supposed to go back and forth. Right. And then when I get there, guess what I want to do when I'm in Minneapolis for the weekend? Not hang out with the opening act. <laughs> so there's no upside to it. And I never did it once. I used to mail out tapes... I fucking drove down the East Coast with Tom Cotter. We went to seven comedy clubs between Boston and Florida, auditioning, doing five minute sets for free to get in. I don't know what this whole entitlement thing now is with comics. How can I get an agent make a living? Will you bring me on the road? No, shut the fuck up.
1: Yes, a lot of comedy clubs have shut down. So it's, you know, like it's... It's because of those comics. It's because of those people. Do you bring someone on the road with you? No, only because it's... uh, Well, if I'm doing an isolated date... Um, somewhere, like, I'll, I'll try Does to Does that get... mean
0: no one shows up for the show? No,
1: <laughs> no, no, but believe me, I did go through that for a long time. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, if I'm just doing a small theater or a rock club or something, yeah. like, because some markets that don't necessarily have good comedy clubs, like, you'll, it's, it's, you just go in and do, like, a show or two in a theater, and, yeah. you know, and uh, and so I'll try to bring Mike Furman on some of those... But it's just—it's financially, it just doesn't—it just doesn't make sense.
0: No, because most clubs don't pay flight or room. No, you know
1: they'll they'll pay a feature act like maybe seventy five dollars a show. Yeah. And so, you know, you have a lot of guys, you know, guys who are fucking awesome comics like Tommy John again or whatever. But they'll just live in the Midwest, and then that way they can just drive to uh, like there's just like a a wealth of clubs that they can hit if they live in the Midwest. Yeah. Then they don't have to worry about travel and then you know then the money then they actually kind of make a little bit of money but like if someone flew to feature for me they would literally lose money exactly
0: and you know there's guys that live in certain areas that I will call the club and ask to work with because you know we stay in touch and I know they're good and that's the other thing I get people that email me and go hey I see you're in uh, the Dallas area can you can you ask if I can open for you and it's like I don't know you, I don't know if you're funny, <laughs> and if you're not funny, it's on me. I right, brought a right, guy right. up to uh, Cobbs in San Francisco. He tanked every show, and the club owner was furious at me. Tom Sawyer? Yes. Was it Tom Sawyer? I yes. know Tom. I won't tell you who the comic was, though. I don't... Uh, oh, damn. That's all right. We don't need to... It was Dane Cook. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Him. I love Dane. That was... The, really... I, that was an ironic... Use of Dane Cook as the go-to punching
1: bag. Comic. No, please, because I, I and I've talked about this on the show before. I never, I never actively went to Dane Cook for a punchline. Well, you're I, the opposite of a hater. You're a lover. But I mean, I guess I guess that's true. But but I had a couple experiences with him where I personally kind of was like, oh, you know what? Fuck you. Like wow. like he he did some kind of arrogant. I'm a rock star. Shit. And it was... It was really... It really put me off. And then... And he then, went through that stage. Absolutely. Is he nice? Like... Because well, I don't give a fuck what... Like, I almost... You know, as much of a comedy snob as I am, I, I, I am I'm willing to bend what I would normally like or not like. It's, if someone's cool, like, if someone's nice, then I will be like, okay, I get... You know, I see it. I get what they're doing. I like it, you know, but... I don't, I don't even mix the two.
0: I can hate the comic. Love his comedy. Or vice versa. I can't One separate. has no effect on I the cannot, other for me. I, I Some of my separate. biggest friends are the biggest hacks in the business. Oh, really? <laughs> and vice versa. I mean, there's guys that I fucking detest, and I will stand in the back of the room and watch every word of their act. Right. So, but but getting back to Dane, you know, and again, started with him in Boston, same mm-hmm. time. And that dude, open mic night, Nick's Comedy Stop, 30 people in the crowd. He's on first. 31 comics performing. Sure. <laughs> at the end of the show, he if he went on first, he's at the door shaking everybody's hand. He wanted he wanted fame. He yep. wanted to be a rock star. And when he got it, yeah, his head blew up and he's the first to admit he 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 should have been better to comics. Right. And I had him on my podcast not long ago and I highly suggest you have him on cuz he's very forthright about it.
1: Well, I don't want to like corner him, like because Marin did that. Like,
0: I don't. Need oh, to... I didn't hear that.
1: Ma- I, I don't be rude to him. I don't know if he was rude. It was Marin. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What but, am I saying? You know, I, I, like, I, I'm. If I had him on, I would sort of be interested in talking to him about. Because, listen, here's the truth of the matter: is you can't, you can't get to superstardom stardom by accident. Like, you you it's gotta fucking work. fight for it. It's work. Yeah. And so I'm interested. You know, like I'd be interested in his in in his work ethic, and you know. Uh, like like how do you I'm always fascinated by people who become super successful and then how do you how do you have a barometer at that point? How do you know if what you're doing is good? How do you know if you're taking good projects because because it's not about, your your what's turning you
0: on as an artist it's becoming about what your agent manager and publicist are telling you are the right moves to go and
1: how that. do you know if they're giving you good advice like you know it's just it's it's a really like and it's a
0: compromise you do a little of one to get do more of the other you know you do a bad movie so you can do that good movie
1: right yeah. but it's how do you know that the, the movie is good it's just it's just when you when when you have all of the choices in the world then it almost becomes overwhelming like when you can do anything you want
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I like a guy like Tim Robbins because you see that he has his own production. He's one of the few A-list guys that has his own production company and truly reads scripts, finds projects he's passionate about, either directs or is in them, Mm -hmm. and I think that he has managed to keep his star... uh, What's the metaphor? Keep his star shining? In bloom? Wait, that's wrong. No, wait a minute. Keep his... uh, He polishes his... So, so he polishes his stars. So he, but but I mean, I think that's a rare thing. I mean, you stick to you know John Cusack comes to mind as another guy. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. I'd like to see him avoid Spielberg for a little while. <laughs> just, like literally, but just avoid him. public. Just, like yeah. <laughs> Tom. Oh, uh, Steve. we're in the other room. But um, anyway, so I, I think that uh, you know you are uh, a good example of somebody who I think has stayed true to your roots, and you fortunately there's a geek channel. That, that that shot up in in unison with your interest in it. That.
1: Ha- it really literally helped. Like just the way that technology uh, and culture went was just a happy accident. Of, yes. those are the things that I love. Yes, so, but you've also helpful.
0: been really proactive about doing things like this podcast and tweeting and being you know uh, available to your fans, and which is hard. I, I mean, I talked. Nine out of ten comics are so afraid of. Not just the technology, but the intimacy of mm-hmm. the fans, and a lot of us got into it because we we do have a hard time with interpersonal relationships, and it's much easier for us to manage a collection of people that don't talk back. Yeah, yeah I guess and that's that the, true. And then that what you do is is rare. And how, how do, do you find that there is a there's is hard to make boundaries
1: with people? Well, Twitter, Twitter, uh, social networks, and you know, Twitter make it easy to. Like there's just enough of a boundary there, because obviously if all those people emailed you all, then you just literally wouldn't have time to e- email everyone yeah. back. So being able to address people in groups, um, it, that makes it a, that makes it a little bit easier. But I also really like talking to people. So like I I go out after every show, and if people want to say hi or take pictures or chat, I'm I love doing that because I'm yeah
0: I agree I like, I'm that fascinated
1: too. like. First of all, I appreciate that they're there. I want to know why they're there. I I love to know why they're there, how they found out about the show and and all, and, and there's, you know, there's almost like a um, there's almost like a, a statistician thing where you kind of come out and you be like, "Oh, these people knew from Chelsea or the website or WebSoup. web soup and yeah. they all have these weird similarities that, you know, that tie them together and like it's just the fascinating human economics of it is, yeah. is also really intriguing to
2: me.
0: Yeah, it's like there's no one performer that will draw the exact same crowd. There right. is There's a weird, like, whatever things you've done in your career uh, have, have drawn X number of people and it cross-pollinates and it wanes. I mean, yeah, I certainly see, like, I used to do Best Week Ever for five years and I used to get great turnout from that. And when that went off the air, five minutes later, those fans were gone. Really? disposable. Wow. Whereas, like, with Howard... You know, I don't I don't go on nearly as often as I used to, but I mean, once you're in that in that circle, you you've got Stern
1: fans forever. And how uh, and are they? Do you like the Stern fans? I mean, like, are they are they are they people that? Because I was I look at the nerds that come out to my show, and I'm like, I would hang out with you guys. Yeah. Like, do you, do fans come to your show? That well, you would, I don't like, think there's
0: a with? Stern fan the way I think your 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 collection of fans I think is very specific to this world, and I feel like the stern guys there is the original ones that you know the guys from long island who are uh, read the new york post and are, <laughs> you know and and just want to, they want to hear you know they want to hear shit that's outrageous and then you have like hollywood I mean, to a person that's an executive in this town, they listen. That's true. If they don't listen, they are aware of what's happening every day on the show. So there's almost like an ironic listening to the show, yeah. where you know they're watching, they're listening to the people that are listening to the show. They're they're just as interested in the whack packers that surround the show and right. the callers that call in. That's it's all a big circus. They want to see the circus from a distance, whereas you've got the hardcore fans that want to. Be, they're on there blogging about it while it's happening. They go to every event, and those people are great fans, and they're actually really good comedy audiences. But there's no one fan for the Stern show. It's because it's it's gone from terrestrial to um, satellite. It's a VIP club. People That's pay true. that twelve bucks a month, and they feel elite.
1: I mean, I always thought that Stern was the best and worst thing to happen to radio because he changed the dynamic. But at the same time, he there were so many copycat, like so many people who didn't really understand yeah. what he was doing. That's just like, oh, you just go on the air and you talk about hookers. Yeah, and so just doing these radio tours where you where you you know, like you get the morning zoo cruise, but then you get the I'm the edgy Howard Stern wannabe. Yeah. We got a porn star, and he, you know. Yeah. And it was always like, well, it's, there's a little more to it than that. It's not, don't just take the superficial yeah. qualities of the yeah, show. Yeah, because there's
0: not a, it's almost like a fire. It's like there's that core, you know, Howard and Robin and Fred and Gary. There's those players and there's relationships. And there's a, there's a, a, a point of view that's specific. And that spins out all those antics. Because that woman in studio is a reaction to the fact that you were not allowed to do certain things. Right. So it wasn't just doing it to titillate, excuse the pun. It was done because <laughs> they were talent. they were angry at being told what they couldn't do. They were angry that they were always losers and they were fighting to be winners. And if you really listen to Howard, he's a thoughtful guy. Like
1: He's a very thoughtful dude.
0: He is, but at the same time, I think he is playing a character to a certain extent. I think he... Um, Look, he's a Jewish mensch from Long Island. He's a good guy, mm-hmm. and then I think that there's times where uh, he wants to play up that he's wilder than he is because that's what people want to hear,
1: right? But it takes a lot of energy to be that to be wild all the time.
0: Well, my that's how my dad started in radio. Is he? He was like in his 20s as a PA, and he was working for these guys Clavin and Fitch, who were legendary New York team. Uh, but they were older guys, and they used to come in at 4 a.m. for 20 years, and they were done. And my dad would come in hungover and late. And uh, any other job, he'd be fired. They loved it because they wanted to hear the stories from the night before.
1: Right. Well, because it gives them content for the show.
0: Well, that's what Artie was. He was, you know, a guy who was bringing that world back into the studio again. Mm -hmm. And now that he's gone, the show actually has, uh, you know, sort of, again, morphed into something a little bit different that still works. But they they could use a wild guy again.
1: How do you feel? I mean, because you've been there through all of the the radio pretty much ups and downs since the 70s like what and now that now that radio feels like it's just kind of barely choking out its last few breaths like and then even with satellite radio you know like next year when you can stream pandora to your cars yeah. what the fuck is going to happen to Sirius XM you know i think it's t- i
0: mean what's funny is their stock has been going up a lot
1: well that's good
0: yeah and i don't know why uh, there's there's obviously there's the guys that know what's going on and the guys that don't and it seems to me the pattern is like this i mean the fact that we are doing podcasting on a $500 uh, recorder and putting it up for, for free. Mm-hmm. People are getting it for free and we're that's translating into people coming out to see us or hopefully buying my book, by the way. Uh, when is that coming out? Uh, November 9th. And what's that Chris? called? <laughs> what's that called, Greg? It's called Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons. Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons, November 9th. Yes, it's uh, Simon & Schuster, uh, but you can uh, pre-order it uh, at Fitzdog.com. I, it, it's a thing they do now. You can buy it because you're so
1: anxious. Are you telling me, Greg, if I went to Fitzdog.com I could buy your book. Yes, Chris, but wait, there's
0: more. Heart attack! The ebook will be available with exclusive content like... Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is about letters that my mother received about me my whole life. Okay. Greg punched a kid in the face today. <laughs> uh, detention slips, police reports, they used to clip out newspaper clippings when I was arrested... And, uh, and then throughout my life, I saved them as an adult. Okay. Um, you know, every... But, I mean, I found a box of this in the basement. And my mother had saved them all. Because they used to laugh at them. We, I, you know, I'd come home from school. We'd be sitting at dinner. There'd be a letter from school. My dad would, you know, chain-smoking his three and a half packs a day of bike Chain-smoking at the table while we ate, you know, a clump of mashed potatoes with a piece of bleeding meat next to it. And he'd open up this letter... And if it was funny, they would laugh their ass off. You know when the teachers quote what you say in the note? Yeah. And uh, at one point she wrote, uh, I was teaching uh, positions in geometry and Greg said, is there a 69 position? They wrote (laughs) that down. And they burst out laughing. And so the message was, if it's funny enough, you're fine. If not, you're going to get a beating.
1: Oh, so your comedy roots started early with uh, I'm going to hit you if you're... High
0: stakes comedy. That is is fifty high stakes. <laughs> so,
1: I, so this book is,
0: is sort of my life and how I've done the opposite of what I'm told to do my whole life and the results of it told through letters. And so I had, the, I had celebrities read each of the letters as if they were the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like they're holding a pen and they're, so they're writing it down as they say it. That's and awesome. so I've got I'm Pete Yorn, Natalie Main, Zach Galifianakis, huh. uh, Kevin Neal, and Bob Saget. I mean, it, it just every letter read by a different so 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 Chris uh, to answer your question, yes. not only the book, mm-hmm. not only the ebook. What else? DearMrs.Fitzsimmons.com, where you, as a fan, can upload your letters that you might have received as a kid.
1: Can't take the <laughs> Chris, now take a breath
0: because anyone can do this. It's as simple as opening up your computer screen, Mm -hmm. tapping onto your keyboard, and (laughs) waiting for that book to come in on November
1: 9th. Greg, does uh, Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons also make delicious julienne fries? Well, it's funny you ask, Chris. I've never heard of those. <laughs> <laughs> They're a thing. I don't know. They're a thing that I feel like a Ronco product at one time or another has made. <laughs> oh, they create
0: the actual front.
1: They, yes. create, they create an, the actual cut of the front. Yes, if you
0: slap page 67 against 68 with a piece of potato in there. So,
1: how do you now that you've made the transition, how long have you been doing your podcast?
0: Uh, almost a year what am I saying over a year over Um, a year a year and a couple months I think yours started just after no we we, started in February February yeah and you just came in like a fat girl at the public pool just (laughs) splash Chris Hardwick's here
1: the rest of us are—we got water wings on now with water up our nose. Is it weird that I was envisioning what kind of bathing suit I'd be wearing if I were a fat girl? Like <laughs> a one piece. black, one piece with a one-piece with one little stripe across the top, and then like a little bow. Up yeah, top. I knew there'd
0: unnecessary
1: be a bow. bow. yeah, unnecessary bow. bow. And then you've
0: got that extra flap of material over the upper thigh. Yep, not that's a sk- right. like a bathing skirt.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a bathing skirt, yeah. uh, but not that, you couldn't see a little bit of toe in the in the in the middle. No, you
0: there. want a, you want a little glimpse of the toe.
1: Yeah, um, but uh, how have you found? I mean, it, mu- it must. Be, I see you at the top of the iTunes thing. No, I'm
0: doing. Re- I'm doing very well. Uh, it's just <laughs> uh, you came in and shot to the top immediately, and I was look. There's certain people in this business less and less as I as I go further along. I resent very few people. <laughs> but then there's some people that I'm really proud of when they do well. And I, I was very proud oh, that that's you came. Nice. Because I felt like this is your world. I was surprised you hadn't done it yet. And then you came in and I feel like, uh, what is it? The water rises, all the boats, the uh, fat lady jumps in the pool. The <laughs> fat lady jumps in the everybody pool. Everybody goes higher <laughs> up in the water. And so, uh, no, I was happy you did it. I think, look, I think podcasting is, we are... The pioneers of this style of podcasting. I mean, there was the wave 10 years ago. Right. Which I think was much more
1: sort of uh, industrial right. you know, information. So, I mean, like super early adoptery. Super early adoptery.
0: Yeah. And now now we are, uh, I think, communicating on a personal level with people. And we've got access being in Hollywood with people that... The audience is interested in hearing from in a, in a more personal, mm-hmm. laid-back, not-promoting-something way. Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons, November 9th. Uh-huh. And so I think that, uh, you know, the the dozen people like us, the comedians that are doing, not even dozen, you know, seven or eight maybe, I feel like every one of them, I enjoy listening to their podcasts. I love to go on theirs. I love to have them on mine. And I really do feel like we're like a baseball team.
1: Yeah, and I, I keep wanting to do, like, one, like, mega-podcast show... Where it's like you and me and Corolla and you know Billy Burr and, and Bill Burr and and you know I uh, Rogan yeah I asked Pardo but he won't do it no no he's like I, I I said this on Doug Benson's I love movies podcast oh and Doug Benson and Doug Benson uh, Scott Ackerman does CDR Radio like I, and so I said uh, Jimmy I would love to do like a mega podcast Oh, and he was like. Oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. It's like he was so. Oh, absolutely not. That is terrible. That is awful. Why well, he's the only one that the charges. That's why. Well, he has a... diff You know, he has a Yeah, he's got that model. He's yeah, got, he's got. Like, God he's got bless the, him. He's got the premium model. Yes. Um, why aren't we doing that? You know, because I'll tell you. Because I, I, I thought. I thought well, about I'll it. tell you, Greg. I'll tell you, Greg. <laughs> because it's you know he has. Uh, Although podcast, I think, is doing pretty well on the iTunes charts, but you, you get a half hour of free content, and then the last half hour is premium content that you have to subscribe to. First hits free. First first half's free. And so I sort of felt like, uh, you know, I didn't go into this show to try to make money from the show. Yeah. It was just much to the to the dismay of my co-hosts. But uh, <laughs> but I but I feel like it was more about, I want as many people to hear it as possible, because I want people to come out to shows. That's yeah. my goal with it. Yeah. And so, you know, if you go into a direction of trying to, you know, well, I want to have subscribers and I want to, then you will, you can get that. But I just feel like it it shrinks the number by like a 20th. Because yeah. most people just don't want to. You
0: mean you'll show. get two out of ten of your listeners?
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, Some, something along those lines. And so you know they might be an even more loyal crowd because they're really invested. Yes. But uh, but for me, it's just important to get people to come out to shows. So that's why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had the same thing. I, I I felt like first of all, I was doing a radio show every Monday night for Howard. I still do it every Monday at, and for it's an hour, and it always feels like make all the effort of getting a good. You've been on it. yeah. yeah. Of getting a good guest to come all the way down to Venice to my studio where we do it in Hollywood and then the hour ends and it's like that and people are like that's it? Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing the podcast just because fuck it yeah, I got got somebody here already let's do another you've done yeah. the podcast Yeah I did. It, right? I did
1: it I did it with Joanna Angel Oh
0: that's right because uh, you've done my show at least two times
1: I did I did your show once with um, what's the kid He he does the Asking McGee show it, oh, Will Hayes! Yes, and he yeah, was yeah. he was he was hammered, and he was uh, a mess. Like he's a guy that you want on your radio show because yeah. he has insane stories. Yeah, yeah. But he genuinely was a he, he was a mess.
0: Yeah, he had just been arrested, and he would spent the night in jail for doing no in the hospital for
1: doing bad coke. And just a sweet guy, like he seemed like a sweet guy, very sweet guy. But he just like he tells the kind of stories where you're like, how are you not dead? Know, like they're I insane. Know.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you did that, uh, and then you did Joanna Angel. Along with the podcast, I believe. Yeah. And then, uh, so anyway, so I started adding that extra hour, and then people were complaining. I love when they complain, it's free. And you know, you take a week off, man, you get ready for hate now. <laughs>
1: It's I've amazing. Too, I've been too afraid to take a week off. Oh. I keep, keep ah. thinking, like, maybe we should take a month off, like, you know, regroup, focus okay. on, like, season two. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think we, I think this is a true, this is fucking speed. Like, I we know. can't take it below 50 <laughs> miles an hour. And right. you do one a week or two a week? Just one. And then
0: you do, and you never take a week off. And no. do you ever do solo podcasts?
1: Yeah, only when, if I'm on the road and these guys aren't out of town with me and it's someone, like, if I'm in New York or, yeah, you know, yeah. like, then I, I, like I don't, really, I don't really have a choice. Yeah, and, and you interview people at, at the club. That's what I usually yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to people one-on-one. Yeah. I mean, I think the general consensus is that I think, you know, like, just so you guys know, people love Matt and Joan on the podcast. <laughs> They're like... They have better. I mean, but, um... As but have brought uh, so much to the table today. I think talking on talking one on one just is a different dynamic, and it's yeah. just it's just more fun when there's a group of dudes as opposed to me like getting all Charlie Rose on someone. It sure is, yeah. Chris. <laughs> yeah. Fired. Well, I do, you patronize me? <laughs> you're fired for no money. It's a different
0: rhythm when you're alone. You know, it's really hard to regulate. You know. Uh, if, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? Am I transitioning enough? You know, and but when I've done it, though, I've found that uh, the feedback on those is stronger than when I have a guest because... Mm-hmm i don't know maybe the stand-up in you comes out and you feel like you got to push harder to
1: you know get personal and yeah i get really serious when it's one-on-one because i just you know like there isn't a counterbalance yeah so if the other person isn't super jokey hmm. then i then we just start going down more serious pathways and i sometimes well let's I think... be
0: really funny for like five minutes
1: what do you want to talk about bottled water uh, bottle. it's here's what's great about
0: America seriously <laughs> we have so much water which is why we're wealthy right? Right, right right, I mean if you look at the poor countries what is consistent fucking dry
1: dry or filthy water
0: well that's why it's dry I mean yeah you got shit water but I mean it's not so what do we have in this country so much water we have fountains yeah we shoot water in the air
1: can to music <laughs> to music to to fucking uh the, Tchaikovsky to Tchaikovsky or oh, not even Tchaikovsky if you go to the grove it's uh it's uh glee. It's singing journey It's glee or it's Lionel Richie? Yes. Oh, no long. Can you
0: imagine going to say Zimbabwe and blasting water in the air to Lionel Richie?
1: What people would do? Do you, you know that that Dave, Dave Anthony has a, a fucking awesome joke about like how do you explain an eating contest to someone in Africa? <laughs> <laughs> well, you take these three fat guys. Yeah. Fat guy? Like,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And then when they're done eating, they go and they take a giant shit in the toilet. What's a toilet? Well, it's a bowl of clean water that we shit and piss in.
1: I remember (laughs) shit. That's how, you know what? That's how you can tell how fucking, uh, how spoiled Americans are. Like, if you go into a bathroom and the water's dirty, you don't want to shit. You're like, oh my god, I can't shit into this dirty water.
0: And I will not sit on a toilet seat to shit in water without taking a piece of a tree and laying it across the seat (laughs) So I don't have to touch... Uh, and what is that? What is? Is there a disease you can get from sitting on a toilet seat? I don't believe there I is. I don't, I don't oh, think. Oh uh, yes, uh, the hebejays. I think yes, that's just uh, yes, that's of that's course, yes, just, from the uh, Latin
1: hebe. Gee. I mean, you would Fiest. literally have to sit in someone else's shit, like a pile of someone else's shit. But then I think, yeah, but there's shizaporn. porn. Like, people shit in each other's mouths, and they seem okay, right? Don't they? I'm sorry. Okay? Shizaporn. Shiza Sh- German shizaporn. I like how
0: that that just flies out of your mouth like
1: sunflower seeds. I know, well, I know. shizaporn. porn. Yeah, Shizaporn. porn. Shiza porn. Yeah, shiza porn. Shiza porn. Well, you're, and you're friends with a lot of porn stars. Yeah, you got that, right? How, you know what's, what was fun about Joanna Angel, who was a very smart girl. Very smart. Very. And I don't mean that, like, for a porn star. She's smart. I mean, like she was a smart girl. Look, she
0: runs a big, successful company. Doesn't like, matter what it is. It's you know. Let it's, me ask
1: you this about porn stars, because even the ones you know they're on lockdown, right?
0: Wait, are we like, done with the funny? Because it sounds like we're going down positively. serious. We right? might. Well, this is a, this, this could be serious. Funny, okay. depending okay. on that thing you, about how porn. You, you think porn's funny, and you start talking about it, it's neither sexy nor funny. No, right. because they, they know, shut down. Like I read
1: this morning. Yeah, because they're they're so, HIV. Someone had know. HIV, so they had to shut down the industry for a while. So. You know, you you look at girl. You know, you look at girls like Sasha Grey or, or whatever that are like, no, I'm doing this because I want to do this and it's it's empowering because I'm a woman and I can make that choice. But then you say that and like every porn star after like two or three years, they look pretty chewed up. Like it's it's not a, it's, it can't be it can't be a healthy way to live. Is well, it? Am I crazy about that? Well,
0: it's not healthy when the testing is as bad. My friend is the head of. Uh, health services for um, STDs in Los Angeles and his number one focus is the fact that the porn industry is there it is the worst system of checking for STDs there's one company that does all the testing they, they do it as long as it's within 30 days which is not comprehensive since obviously you could be having sex before then Right. and they don't test the anus they don't test the back of the throat where a lot of diseases uh, are uh-huh. and it's completely flawed So this was a matter of time until this was going to happen.
1: And it's amazing for a multi-billion dollar industry that there's not like, like I would think if I'm a medical company, I would probably want to get in on that action. Well, and here's
0: the thing. I mean, you look at how a movie is made. You got unions, sets, lighting, transportation, giant salaries, and they make money porn, they pay the actors less than a grand a scene. The Mm -hmm. men make half of that. They shoot it in a fucking warehouse. No unions. No lighting. It's all digital cameras. They can't throw out a thousand bucks for some testing? Right. It's insane. Yeah. They yes. have no
1: bottom line at all, and these are human beings.
0: Right. This is not funny, Chris. This is and an I, interesting...
1: To, it's interesting to I me, know though, it because is. you're so tied in. How did you get tied It Was it from the Stern Show? How did you get tied in? I from- think
0: so. Yeah, they, they had uh, approached me, but they said... This was the, the greatest... Because it started with nine nine guys in raincoats in a, in a hotel room in Vegas is how this award show started, you know, like 10 right. or 15 years ago. Bill Hicks hosted it one year.
1: Oh, I didn't know yeah.
0: that. And, so, and he was one of the early hosts. And now I was performing for 7,000 people at Mandalay Bay on Showtime. <laughs> and so they approached me and I had to audition to be the host of the Porn Awards. So... <laughs> So the guy who runs it, Paul Fishbein, who's actually a really, again, really nice guy, kids, nice wife who I'm friends with, yeah. comes out and I go on stage at the improv and I do 20 minutes effortlessly because we all have a stockpile of porn jokes. Of course. And, uh, and they go, yeah, we'd love you to do it. So I said, uh, yeah, let me just uh, run it by my wife. And then I said, run it by my wife? <laughs> So I just told her, you know, I'm going to the bagel shop that weekend. For the whole weekend. And I came back two days later. <laughs> with a sack of money. Yeah, and uh, no bagel. Forgot the bagels. <laughs> is your wife cool with that, by the way? No, she is. She came with me, and she is not jealous at all. I mean, you, you, you are you married or just girlfriend long term? Long term. Yeah. yeah. So six, there's a years. point of trust that if you don't have, you just can't be in a relationship. It's not, not, like, it's not only
1: trust, but there's also a level of comfort where it's like, you know, because we're... Jan and I are at the point where, like, when I go out of town, like, we don't have to talk every day. Yeah. Because we're just we get on the phone and be like, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And yeah. It what are mean we mean in
0: high school? It doesn't mean we love each other. Any I, less. Know, we're, I just, know. we're just
1: not up in each other's business. Yeah. This is
0: shorthand. I've actually found that I love emailing my wife. Even in town, I email her instead of calling her. And uh, I don't know. It's it just for me, her coming to the Porn Awards was not about her keeping an eye on me. It was because she was fascinated by this world. She wanted to see it. And it was a, we were invited to an orgy after the show. Oh. They for, were,
1: formal invite?
0: Uh, yes. It saved the date. It, it was written on the side of a rubber. <laughs> uh, she And so we said, of course, let's go up. It was in like a penthouse in Mandalay yep. Bay. And so we go up there and it's like, you know, uh, Jenna Jameson and she's with Tito Ortiz, who used to be her husband or boyfriend. Like all celebrities, Ron Jeremy and... And we're standing around. I mean, there's like 50 people and they got a bar, a couple of bartenders and people are schmoozing. There's hors d'oeuvres and then there's all these uh, mattresses set up. And it's not necessarily that everybody's in the orgy. It's going to be kind of like, a, uh, like a, a, a street fight in the alley. Okay. And some people get involved. You're not sure who. Right. And so we're standing around. And then uh, after about 15, 20 minutes, whatever sexual buzz was in the air just became like boredom and and a feeling of uh I guess almost like you know when you're at a restaurant that you weren't sure you should go in and order food from mm-hmm. and you do and then it takes too long and so you just leave? Yeah, yeah.
1: I It was that so we just took off. Or it's just it's probably I was just watching like animals fuck after a while like no this is the mechanical act of sex yeah. where yeah. the thing goes in the thing. I can't
0: imagine RG smelling too
3: good after a little bit.
1: No, and you can't open windows <laughs> in Vegas. <Yeah. laughs> and they are
0: sealed shut and, it, and, it's real, and at least the animals aren't staring at the camera <laughs> no, acting I mean, like a t
1: shirt, oh, well, that's my, my favorite joke. <laughs> once ever. I uh, can't imagine orgy <laughs> I'm smelling too good. <laughs> that's my, <it's> so <laughs> earnest, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, since yeah. we're on the topic, yeah. You know. Hey, how was that orgy
0: last night? Oh, like a too bouquet good. of flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing about sex, even when you've had sex, the smell is not great. Yeah. It's great while you're having sex, mm-hmm. and then as soon as it's over. Everyone jumps up to rinse the undercarriage. Yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> we need to make some sort of like uh, orgy stick ups or you know yeah. renews its fuck <laughs> plug, plug or something it's like cock shaped and they go yeah oh.
0: the vibrators should have tiny fan intake fans
1: the, oh 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 no the vibrators could be uh, could be like uh, the ionizers you know like, <laughs> like, like, like Brookstone you get, it, you get it you get it from Brookstone and it's just yeah. like a tiny little motor and it just like it just it's, it soaks in all of the odor and then spits yeah. out clean breathable air
0: yeah, guys, and, and all the lube here. is like scented oils. Heavily scented oils. Yes! I mean, we Jeez. can make orgies better. Isn't this funny? Like, yeah, a, like a cru- what could be better than an orgy? And we're trying to improve on it. Meanwhile, poor people are dying because they don't have clean water. But they could have orgies. That's so true. But how would they wash the undercarriage when they're done?
1: Well, you don't have to worry about it at that point. We're spoiled Americans. They're so dry, <laughs> they probably barely come. I don't know, guys. I th- <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, listen. I don't know if anyone owns the, no, the domain third world, third, third world Orgies, but I think it's it is like, there's a fetish,
0: hey, when, when you blow, do you swallow? Swallow what? S- nothing for pro, for sustenance, <laughs> yes, so I can survive. <laughs> if anything comes out, you bet your ass that's the pro, protein more protein I've had all month. Listen, I don't
1: you can I, clip that out of the podcast. We might we might clip that out, or we might leave it in. To, to juxtapose it with uh, Letters to Mrs. Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons That's right It's a sweet book But with a dark <laughs> side so your, so your book comes out November 9th You can pre-order it now uh, You have Fitzdog Radio um,
0: All available at Fitzdog.com Fitzdog.com And, and then uh, yeah A bunch of tour dates coming up I got uh, West Palm Beach Improv Coming up at the end of October And nice. then I'm in uh, Philadelphia Seattle All in the next few weeks you do Doing helium. I love helium. Great club. Fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really just a, it's a fun collection of people and the room is you know, low ceiling, tight. They fill it up. I and, dig Philadelphia yeah. I had a
1: nice time when I was there I was there a couple months ago it was great
0: yeah and it's like it's great when you're working in a city that you like to hang out in during the day too sometimes they're like yeah you're working St. Louis and you're like oh that will be cool and then you land and they pick you up and they drive you to the club and you're looking out the back window going like hey dude it's Philly St. Louis is back that way where the hell are we going and you're like 45 minutes out in like a mini mall with nothing yep yeah. and you might as you could be anywhere and
1: you're nowhere and th- those, those tour dates are, are, are called Hello Applebee's because that's yes. pretty much the only... <laughs> it's Applebee's. Applebee's or, or, or ch- chicken tenders at the club.
0: And uh, hey, do you have a health club? Yeah, we do, sir. Right down the hall to the left. And you open up the door and it's like a rusty exercise bike. Yep. And one of those rubber bands that you pull on.
1: Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> oh. And then guys boxing with big curly mustaches, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Unitards. Yes. That's Isn't how it? antiquated those places. Abner Doubleday is swinging a bat in the corner. <laughs> it is that old. There are women's suffrage signs on the I mean, it is an old place oh my god I'm not saying
0: it's bad but the instructions on how to use the bike are written as a cave drawing
1: as cave drawings oh, where you're a pulling a bison's horns un- to lift your biceps great uh, well Greg Fitzsimmons thank you so much for being on this podcast I, I'm so glad we finally got you on and uh, and I'm well, thrilled and I hope people buy your book uh,
0: well uh, I appreciate you having me on I'm I'm, I'm really uh, happy for you with this podcast I enjoy listening to it and uh you know, I, I hope that we can all uh, do a live event together. I think that would be fun.
1: Someday we will. Maybe we will. We'll just do like a big live charity event, and we'll do it all together, and then everyone can put it out on their own little streams. We should have a, a Sidekicks podcast. <laughs> <day. Yeah. laughs>
3: you mean that actually? I,
1: mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought you meant from the old TV show Sidekicks with the kid who was on. He's dead. The,
2: He's dead. was the know? movie Sidekicks? There's the movie Sidekicks. He hung, he hung himself. Oh it was John and oh,
0: Brandis? John, the John oh. Way to end the podcast. Yeah, on. I mean we Sorry. were really okay. starting to pull it out of the uh,
2: HIV thing. Enjoy him on Sequest, DMV.
0: But yes. oh, and what about a tour? Can you imagine a
1: tour with like Bill Burr, me, you Rogan It'd be impossible Because it would be too It'd be too expensive To pay everyone Because those the, When you start doing that Yeah yeah You, you know yeah, like yeah. You, when, whenever Unless you, it would be huge It would have to be enormous Because like, when you start Talking about like Do it in Giant Stadium I would love to do A comedy tour And I'd love these Five people I to be know. on And then I you know. realize Like well it costs $5,000 just to get The theater Yeah Like it just Then it becomes Too expensive Yeah
2: If you guys sell tickets For $5,000 each no, yeah, I don't know. Know. I don't know. Down the road, down the road. I think. This but it's a big I think, it, I think for it's this. good
1: to look down the road at maybe. Yeah, doing I mean, once like we start getting big ad
0: revenue coming in and we can tour. I mean, like you said, radio's going away. This is it.
1: Yep, yeah, podcasting is it. Enjoy your burrito, America. <laughs> is that how you end every show? That's how. I, this is only the second time.
2: Now leaving nerdist.